there was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, almost early signing day time. There are now two signing day times. That confuses me time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker alongside Danny Parker, Patrick Brown, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Got a lot to, got a lot of stuff to talk about. In case y'all did not know this, by the way, fun fact: uh, Tennessee has a head football coach now, a full-time head football coach, and it's not Greg Schiano. Well, not full-time necessarily per se yet, but kind of split, Mike Leach, kind of splitting time. No, the other guy, the the bald guy, the Southern guy. What's his name? The fourth head coach of the fall for yeah. the volunteers. More or less. Yeah. He uh the, the count all MOUs. Yeah, the 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 for the fighting MOU Vols, Jeremy Pruitt, now the head football coach. And uh, he, in addition to having a uh, beautiful uh, bald dome from the lack of hair, is a really good recruiter. And this is a good time of year for that because in case you haven't noticed. Tennessee's recruiting class, which was at the high water mark, what, about fifth, sixth nationally? First in the SEC. Now down to, what is it, 46th? 46th at the time of recording. 46th at the time of this recording. Now, let's be honest, I don't think any of us expected to, to finish there. But the fact is, there were a lot of guys on Tennessee's board from the previous coaching staff who the current new coaching staff uh, was not such a big fan of. There are also some guys who I think the new staff probably would have retained, but those guys wanted to go elsewhere where they had better relationships, more established relationships with other coaches. So right now, uh, Tennessee's got work to do this weekend, fellas. Yeah, and they've been keeping Danny and Ryan Callahan, our recruiting duo, very busy with offer after offer. I bet they've offered. What, what would your estimate be, Danny? $1.94 million. <laughs> That's probably about right. <laughs> it was basically a raise your hand if you're 6'2 or taller and over 170 pounds. Do you have a Tennessee offer? No, sir, I don't. You do now. Can you walk <laughs> and chew gum at the same time? Are you a junior college offensive lineman or cornerback? Yes, they are. <laughs> they are uh, hurting a uh, little bit. And so, but it, and it's fair to wonder, obviously, you know, the recruiting board has flipped entirely. Um, and it's fair to speculate on how much recruiting the previous staff really did over the last half of the season. I think that's probably fair. And that's not that's not to, to throw those guys under the bus because it happens everywhere. We saw it happen with, with Derek Dooley and his staff where you get to a point where you're coaching for your job, and at one point you probably think you're, you're not going to be back next year. Head coach is going to get fired. You know, how do you lose that fervor to recruit? Now, that's not the same. That's not to say everybody did. But you correct me if I'm wrong. The only guys that were really taking visits and seeing commitments during the end of the regular season and when Pruitt was higher was Gillespie, Wall Wells, and Brady Hope. Did we see anybody else on the road 
Not not a ton, no. Not a ton. So. I mean, and at some point, in good conscience, Coach Warren went on the road. Yeah, yeah okay. In, in in fairness, you know, in good conscience, can you can you tell some of these kids? Can you recruit them very fervently to Tennessee when you know there's a pretty good chance you're not going to be there? It's it's. I mean, that that's a it's a gray area. I know, but because you're supposed to recruit to the school and not to the staff or anything like that. But yeah, I, I mean, I think those guys put forth a good college effort with some of those guys but uh, yeah. the professional effort yeah yeah they're they're not they're not they're not really 10 toes in at that point so you know Tennessee did have a lot of work to do and I think it's fair too that when you look at just the defensive system between these two staffs you know there's some some different kinds of players they're going to want now they're going to want some bigger linebackers they're going to want some taller longer cornerbacks, you know, they're going to want D linemen who have a little more versatility perhaps as opposed to just a 4-3 tackle or a 4-3 end. Uh, and then you look at offensively, there's different kinds of quarterbacks I think they're probably going to want. Uh, there's different kinds of backs in some cases that they're going to want. Now, if you're a stud, you're a stud, you can play anywhere. But a lot of times it comes down to does this guy personality-wise fit the staff? Does this guy, you know, kind of athletically fit the mold of what they're looking for? And – I, I don't blame it. I don't blame Tennessee staff whatsoever for telling some of these kids, hey, in fairness, you might want to start looking around. So that part doesn't bother me. And I'll tell you what else doesn't bother me. When you look at this staff, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's twice been the national recruiter of the year. So this guy can recruit. I don't think there's any question about he, that. He was one time the recruiter of the year. Well, he was he, twice. He was ranked number one in our re- recruiter rankings twice. But one year, it was the year he went from Alabama to Florida State. So he probably got some credit for some guys on both sides. Playing both sides of the fence So there. he probably got credit for Derrick Henry and Jalen Ramsey, which that, probably helped him in the rankings. But uh, That's hedging your bets, which is what we call a Callahan. <laughs> That's what but he was number one. I mean, he was number one twice. Um, go ahead, Danny. Well, going back to the point, I mean, it's – you know, I think Tennessee's at, what, 17 decommitments at, at time of recording. Uh, I, th- I think there's at least one more coming uh, based on some reading of the tea leaves. But it's the last staff was essentially done with the class except for a yeah. few more spots. Yeah, they yeah. were recruiting 15, 20 kids, but they they were all but done. And, you know, the point you made, Wes, I made on the, the, the board earlier in the week, It's there's a huge philosophical change in – a stress toward physicality with Jeremy Pruitt's yeah. mindset, what he's going forward. And, you know, it's a huge shift in what you look for out of each player, especially in the secondary. That's undoubtedly his backbone back to Rainsville through Hoover High School, Alabama, Florida State, Georgia. You know, he's got his mindset on what a DB needs to look like in SEC. And it's hard to argue with it, to be honest with you. But it's very different from what Tennessee's previous staff had approached. And on the offensive side, you're going from spread – to pro style, you're going to have tight ends, more tight ends on the field, more with their hand on the ground instead of flexed out wide. You're going to need more running backs, the more one-cut types, the, the Montario Hardesty's, the Arian Fosters, instead of the Alvin Kamara types or John Kelly. They're used to going east-west a little bit more. So you probably won't see Tennessee go hard after, you know, some of these kids that are, you know, that 5'10", 175-pound running back. It's just not what – Coach Pruitt's looking for. Jeremy Banks is a good example out of Cordova High School in Memphis. Teammate of Jerome Carvin just picks up the Tennessee offer last weekend. Had probably, you know, at least 20 offers. I know Nebraska was a school looking at him really hard. 
this coaching staff just wasn't quite ready to pull the trigger because he didn't fit what they wanted to do. So it, it's a huge transition. It's it's a major factor. It's almost a complete overhaul in what Tennessee's having to do. And with little to no time to do it with this early signing period, I'm very curious to see how Coach Pruitt and this staff pulled off and, and who they wind up signing with. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they wind up signing a number that's probably two or three below what they what they can sign overall. And, and what they're going to have to figure out, I think, is do you sign guys just to sign guys or are you yeah. signing guys that you want? And that's always a big, king, a big thing with the, the sort of transitional classes. And if you go back and look at – at the the transitional class between Derek Dooley and Butch Jones, you you see some guys that didn't last very long or didn't pan out. Yep. Um, and so there's going to be guys like that. And uh, I think, you know, recruiting is such a perception thing that as long as Tennessee is able, if they're able to swing three four-star guys yep. that weren't previously on the board, I think most, I think most Tennessee fans will take that and call it a day and say, Hey, let's wait till next year. I think Pruitt strikes me as a guy and I, and, and it's been, been mentioned to me by some people I've talked to that, He's sort of a guy that, that grows on you over time. And mm-hmm. so he may not – it may be tricky for him to sort of to use a dare duly term, hot sauce guys into signing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas give him a year to build relationships and, and really get to, you know, get involved with some of these recruits, that's when he's able to really do and show what he's shown uh, in, in his past as an assistant. You know, the thing that I keep getting back to with this is – and, again, I let me throw out this rather large caveat here. I'm not – a recruiting guy necessarily. I'm I'm not someone who is an expert at this. I never have been. I never claim to be. Only God's an expert, Ernie. Yeah, that's true. Good point. But uh, I'm Shout definitely not Barkley. one. I'm definitely not one. But I will say this. In my experience, I've heard a lot of coaches say, we're not going to take somebody, just take somebody. I hear, I hear this all the time. Coaches say it. It sounds good. It sounds great. Here's the thing. Almost every coach I've ever covered, if he's sitting there with a scholarship or two to have – like filled right before signing day, he'll go fill it. And especially now in this era where you can process guys and they transfer all the time anyway, I think – I don't know for sure. If they held one or two spots, to me that might mean something like, okay, after spring practices gone everywhere, those are going to be another wave of these graduate transfers or guys wanting to leave, and Tennessee will have a spot maybe when others don't. So maybe maybe that works out. But – I. I just I've been around this too long to see when coaches go, no, nah, I don't want to fill that spot, and you know just, I don't want to get a guy just to get a guy, and then there'll be this guy that they see late and they go, hmm, he could be a prospect in about two years. We're going to take a chance on this guy. It almost invariably happens. So I, I don't know from previous past experiences. I, I don't know that they'll really hold off on some of those spots, but you look at the numbers. I mean, they they, they got a lot of work to do. Now they're going to have a big weekend coming up. There's no doubt about that. They're going to have, I think, I'm putting the over-under at about uh, 47.5 kids, it seems like, they're going to have on campus. Slight exaggeration there. But they're going to have a big recruiting weekend, and they're going to be able to get some guys. It's Tennessee. you got a good staff there. You've got facilities. You're able to sit there and sell kids on early playing time at a place where you're playing in front of 100,000-plus people one of the winningest programs in the country, you can recruit to that. You know, Pruitt can sit there and, and wear all those national championship rings on visits and things like that and have the kids put them on. And, you know, that, that he, he knows a little bit of hot sauce. I think he can get some guys. The, the question is how many of these guys are guys that he's really, really, really going to want? How many of these guys would he take in a normal year? Yes. 
That's it, the great question. It's, <clears throat> to me, there, there's three positions where I think they need the most immediate help. Or There's three positions that obviously are big question marks. First of all, it's obviously got to be quarterbacks. Uh, within hours on, on Wednesday, they went from having two quarterback commitments to zero. Adrian Martinez flipped to Nebraska. That wasn't really surprising. Um, and then Michael Penix. Am I saying it right? Penix. 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 Yeah. Uh, or just say Penix because it's funnier. <laughs> uh, got offered by Willie Taggart in Florida State last week. He's a Tampa kid. He decommits. Uh, I think there may have been a parting of ways there potentially. Yeah, that, um, it was. That de- it was. Okay. That, that, Thank you, Danny. That de-escalated quickly. Michael Penix was never going to start a game barring injury at Tennessee. Was uh, yeah, I never agreed with that take. Sweet kid. Sweet, sweet kid. Doesn't belong heart. to Tennessee. He was never going to beat out Adrian Bless Martinez. his heart, runs hard, tries hard. But bless his heart. He he, but he was not going to be a fit, right? He was more of a, pred, a spread guy. He's he's a spread guy that's not extremely fast. So Okay. Um. Malik Zaire with a little less athleticism, we'll say. And you saw how that didn't work at Florida this year. Well, nothing worked at Florida. So maybe that's more of an indictment on Florida <laughs> yeah. than it is on the league. Florida could have run, run a split veer and probably would have done a better job. If there's, I mean, there's going to be guys, I think, I'm think i convinced there's going to be guys on this Tennessee team that have done nothing or very little or been disappointments. And then with the new coaching staff, they're all of a sudden going to like start playing better. Just because that's, oh, yeah. that's what happens. But yeah, I mean, they wanted Martinez. He's, he's in any kind of style guy right Dan. yeah he's i good. believe so i i'd like adrian martinez's game now given he has not played a down of his senior yeah. year you know most people know that by now but he does plan on although he's going to sign before he you know he shows what he looks like this month but he does plan on participating in the practices in the under armor all-american game which you know there'll be some other decommits there as well uh but alante taylor will be there i'm not sure how they're going to split up those teams yet i've only seen the rosters but be kind of interesting if Lante Taylor is catching passes from Adrian Martinez and they're both signed to go elsewhere after being longtime commits and, and backers of Tennessee. And really, you know, given that everything Adrian said during the process, it was all Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. It wasn't so much Mike Canales. It wasn't so much Butch Jones. It was, you know, he just believed in the direction of things. And then, but that then shows got, the the perk of Scott Frost. He got, he he just, got frosted. He Totally got frosted. <laughs> Bro, you got frosted. He uh, got, he gets the offer, and within a week, he's committed to Nebraska. And if you're picking Lincoln, Nebraska over Knoxville, Tennessee, you must really love that coaching Fresno, staff. you're from Fresno, California. I'm telling you, you, in, you have got to love that coaching staff. A- Adrian and I have already talked about the climate when he visited Ohio State for an official visit earlier this year. And, you know, that's, I'm interested to see how he does. Um, I'll always root for the kid no matter where he goes. He, he's been that great, that respectful. He's going to be great at – press conferences and do everything well but I, you know just because you're athletic doesn't mean you don't fit in a pro style offense look at Jalen Hurts you know Alabama's found a way to make it work and really if, if I'm going forward if I'm the coach I'm always going to want a guy that's got some athleticism yes. because so many things have to happen right for a guy that runs five one five two to just sit back there and pick people apart you don't have enough hours in the week to, to coach up every offensive lineman to get everybody on the same page with the receivers, the tight ends, running the route tree and being precise. You don't get those reps like everybody's heard about Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison spending all this time before and after practice. You don't get that in college. So, you know, like like we've talked about with Josh Dobbs, he makes you right when you're wrong. You need that type of athlete, in my opinion, especially in the SEC with the front sevens that you're going to face week in, week out. Yeah, the the way I use this, the the sort of – barometer I use is that you know those plays where kind of a there's a blitz 
and a bunch of the guys are running deep routes. So what happens is if you can, if you kind of step up through the pocket, you kind of have like 20 yards of open space in front of you. If you're a guy who can't take like get like eight yards in that situation, I don't want to recruit you. That, that that's if if that's that deal where you've got 20 yards, 25 yards of open space in front of you with no defense around, and you can't go get seven, eight, nine yards. I, to me, I, you're almost just kind of a wasted player at that point because you're the way the game. The, oh, I'm a wasted player. <laughs> on every don't the 24 seven sports CBS sports family knows I'm very much a wasted player. But if you can't get seven, eight, nine yards in that situation, I, I, in this game, in the way football is played nowadays, I think you're kind of pointless. The, but, the only way you can combat that is if if you're a guy that can identify that pre-snap. You, you've seen something on film. You know they're going to bring the nickel back off the edge, and you're going to attack that vacated space with some kind of a hot route, something you can – you know, if the receiver lines up and it's a check-with-me situation, he's running like a little five-yard hitch, and you can – you know, prevent that from being a sack and getting maybe four or five yards out of it, but staying on schedule. Two things for me. Uh, first of all, for fans, if you're listening, don't get overly hung up on whether guys are pro style or dual threat. Because Correct. Jared Garantano was was classified as a dual threat quarterback. He can run, but he's not an elite runner. No. Josh Dobbs coming out of Alpharetta, we had him listed as a pro style I mean, quarterback. McBride's a better runner than Garantano is. Yeah, and so, you know, Dobbs was a pro style guy because that's what he did in high school. He was he he was mostly a pocket guy, right? I mean, he did some running, but yeah, yes. that's that was what he did. And so you can't get caught up on what a guy's labeled as. You just just go see if he runs, if he can't run. The other, you know, like, question we've got is a lot. Go of, look at those spark times and stuff like that. A, a question that we've got a lot is: Do the returning quarterbacks fit what they want to do? And I think they both do. Or, sorry, McBride, I'm not really including you at this point. Uh, but Quinn Dormy and Jerry Garantano. I'm can, still I'm still a believer in Will McBride at some point. I think he's, I think he is. A, a, I'm in the good, minority. He's a good fine. guy to have on your roster, but he's not going to be your long time long term starter. No, I mean if I, he's I, your I, backup and can come in and you know pick it up if somebody gets hurt. That's one thing. He's a nice option to have in that. I don't think he's on the same level talent wise as Dormy and Garantano. No, I, I, I've seen I've I've seen teams win big with worse quarterbacks than Will McBride, but you have to be good everywhere else. Yes. Uh, and so, I, for, from what I know about what they may want to do offensively, I think both both Dorman and Garantano fit because they can both throw the ball really well. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't throw it well all season, but there were extenuating circumstances with that. So, um, it, Which leads me to sort of the next question. How badly does Tennessee need a quarterback in this class? Now, obviously, ideally, you'd like to have one in, in at least each class. Yes. Uh, they've only got three on the roster, so that would suggest if one of them wants to bolt at the end of spring or before they get back in January or whatever, you're down to two, which is not where you want to be. No, you have to take one. You have to take one? Yes, I think you have to take one. I think you have to get a quarterback Just a in warm body. I, yes. I, I think you're yes. applying the exact same logic as this time last year where Tennessee came in extremely late, got McBride to flip because you were worried Jerron Jones was going to leave and but, you couldn't go forward with two scholarship quarterbacks. But if you, if you can't get somebody that you like, why take him? When you can see, I think you can find somebody. You can you sell that even more to a big time guy in the nineteen class. See, if you if you go look, if you go look around at, you know, you can even go look at some of these FCS playoff games and stuff like that. There's good quarterbacks you can go get. There's guys who will be competent players, and I and, or, I think, and, and if it's not a big time guy, there's no quarterback recruit in the country who's going to be scared of a three star from the previous class if he doesn't start. I mean, so so that to me, 
you know, I, I don't want to recruit guys who are scared off by things like that. But I, I, I'm a big believer in the David Cutcliffe theory that you have to take at least one quarterback every year because of the attrition there, because of the importance of that position on the roster uh, and how, how often those guys transfer. I think you have to take one every year. But in a Tennessee situation now, if it's just a decent player, is, that is it you the like, end of the world if they don't find one this in this class? I'm not going to say it's. I'm, I'm going to be apoplectic about it, but I think that they need to get one. Of course, another way they could go is they could try to see a grad transfer. Yep. Uh, or they could do what one of Wes, one of your fake Twitter account, reported last night is that they were going to try to get Jacob Eason for yeah. Georgia. <laughs> Why not? Right? Yolo. Yeah, Kirby will let him go right in the division. It's not going to be yeah. a big deal. NBD. Yeah. NBD. Yeah, yeah, he'll be like, "Cool, it's no big deal." Hey, you, 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 you remember, uh, you remember Coach Pruitt from recruiting, right? <laughs> that yeah. makes a bunch of logic. So, uh, I mean, obviously, the the main quarterback transfer that would be eligible immediately is already off the market, and Shea Patterson, he's going yeah. to Michigan, Harbaugh. He Shea must really want to finish fourth in the Big Ten East. Yeah, he must. Maybe he really likes tucked in sweatshirts. <laughs> maybe he might, maybe he really wants to go from fifth in the SEC West to fourth in the Big Ten. East. He just he likes tucked in sweatshirts and big tall glasses of milk. You know, yeah, he's just that kind of a guy. Uh, and so, to me, go kind of switching from quarterbacks. I think to me, the big two spots are offensive line and cornerback. Those are the two biggest mm-hmm. concerns on paper this roster. Because you look at a lot of other places, they've got some guys. We'll see what happens with John Kelly and Rashawn Goldman. But um, you like, you kind of like. There's some things to work with it with your set of linebackers. You got a couple of veteran safeties back there. Yeah, your defensive line is going to have a couple couple seniors that have played a lot. Mm-hmm. Your offensive line is, I mean, it was in a dire situation at the end of the year, and how many guys are you going to get back? I mean, the big questions to me are obviously the biggest, well, the biggest question is Chance Hall. Yeah, because I think he's a good player. He's a good player, but how healthy is he going to be? Is he uh-huh. going to have to go the way of, of Jack Jones where he's just not going to be healthy enough to play? Well, I think they're, they're going to get uh, – Will Friend is a good offensive line coach. I think they're, they're going to be in good shape there. That guy's always done good work, Well, I, I think, wherever he's been. I, I like that situation, but – I think the situations you're talking about are the you're, down exact to, you're ones. looking at maybe having only seven scholarship guys next year. Yeah, I mean to me the, the most plus di- whoever you bring in. The, to me, the most absolutely dire. I I need to have guys there immediately. Like I need number one for me is cornerback. If you don't, the, the, they need corners worse than. I mean it's they're in a even if Tyler Bird goes over to that side of the ball, and I and, think he's going to go over that side of the and, ball and, and and plays well. You're still you're still going to need some more bodies there. And I think Schamberg can be a decent player, and we'll see with Labruza. I mean, they, they maybe could be all right there. But uh, to me, that that's a desperate need situation. And, and I would throw quarterback in there. I'm going to put that one step above a desperate need. I, I think it's, it's a got to have one. Not desperate, but got to have one. And then the other thing is, I, I know Elante Taylor is going to help this, but I think they need wide receivers pretty bad. I, I think they need to – I think they need to upgrade – um, at, at some spots there, uh, and you know, I think that probably Jawan Jennings back, and probably a uh, probably a big linebacker. They need to get a kind of a jumbo size linebacker who will fit kind of what they do potentially down the road. So I, 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 there's not one position on that roster where I'm like, you're great there. You don't need anything. You're perfect. I mean, that team was 0 and 8 in the SEC last season, but I think those three or four areas are the places I would say gotta have somebody. I think I would add in. I totally agree. They got to get at least one. Big time cornerback, one big time wide receiver, and I think you know it's kind of like what Butch Jones could sell kids in the 2013 class is, hey, do you see what we just did on the field? You can come in and play immediately. You know that's yep. that's part of the sales pitch with an Isaac Taylor Stewart, who in my opinion may be the most size speed combination talent 
of any DB in the country. I saw him at the opening finals back in July up in Oregon, win the fastest man competition amongst 165 of the best football players and athletes in the entire nation. He did it with all these cats watching. ESPN was videoing, you know, all these former not afraid of bright lights. Yeah, all these five stars that were in the NFL were all watching O.J. Howard sitting there videoing it. This kid comes out and smokes everybody. He's a big-time player, and he's got Tennessee in his top six. We'll see if he takes an official visit. But but that's what you can sell kids like that. Jacob Copeland out of, out of Pensacola, Florida, you know, he he's thrust Tennessee into his top group. He's going to visit this weekend. He can come in and potentially start right away. And that's, you know, it, it's kind of the, you know, a coach in any sport will tell you that the last place you want to be is somewhere in the middle where you're seven and five, eight and four, and you're a fringe team and you might be good next year. You want to be really bad, like four and eight, like Tennessee was this year, or you want to be big time and say, Hey, come here and win championships like we're doing right now. Yeah. If, if, if I'm, if I'm Pruitt, I, I take two guys on my staff, two of my full-time guys. I give one of them an, an airplane ticket to Mississippi and I give the other one an airplane ticket to Kansas and I tell both of them, you are not under any circumstances to come back to the city of Knoxville until you've got me a list of two or three of those JUCO corners who could play next season and help. An offensive lineman, probably. I would go, I would turn over every rock at all of those Mississippi and Kansas JUCOs, and I would do anything I could to find, or go out to the California JUCOs if you need to. Go wherever you need to go. Go to New York, those JUCOs. But especially, I think we all know Mississippi and Kansas are probably you, the two best conferences. So you, go there and go find them. You left out Arizona. Yep, Arizona uh, Western. Is that's right, Arizona Western. Target, yeah, you're we'll right. You're weekend. right. They got some. They got some good ones over there. Jameer Johnson is expected to be an, an official visitor. I think mm-hmm. looking yeah. at what we've got reported uh, right now, I think there's four junior college guys. Two of them are offensive linemen. Jeremy Webb. Jeremy Webb is is a corner. Giancario Valentin. Yes. Now in an average year, in an average year, you're not going to want this many JUCOs. If I'm Tennessee right that's, now, I'm I want bodies and I want older guys who are physically developed a little bit and and who who can show some mental toughness. That's two offensive linemen, one cornerback, and one receiver. If that tells you where they think their needs are. What one other position I didn't get to? Nose guard. Tennessee has to have some gigantic people to come in and hold the point there, right there on the nose, over the top of the center and sustaining two blocks. I think Eric Crosby will probably be that guy. I think Khalil McKenzie will probably fill that role, but they've got to get at least one giant kid in this see, class. Yeah, I agree they got to get bigger guys, but Bama's Bama's only got one defensive lineman on the roster who's more than like 308 pounds now. Now what those guys are is frequently strong, but yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line is you got to get a guy who can hold up a couple blockers, but I don't know if like Terrence Cody's are, 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 the, are the in vogue thing anymore. I think you're talking about you know, I think Bama's got yeah one guy above three hundred eight. Drawn Payne plays it at that size, and and I, but but yeah, they need you know someone you know Khalil or Eric Crosby size. That's probably yeah, the difference Danny. between Alabama and Tennessee recruiting is you can get that elite athlete that's also strong as a bull, and I don't think Tennessee has that as an option right now. Jalen Cunningham, some of these other kids that that Tennessee's after right now, they're not supreme athletes. That they would not go to Alabama. It's you know they they might might wind up at a you know, Ole Miss or somewhere like that, but but they are three hundred and forty plus pounds, and Tennessee's shown some interest in them. But well, that's a fair point though about the the, the athleticism difference. Yeah, that's that's you, you look at the size of the Alabama football players, like wow, they're recruiting a bunch of two hundred and forty pound linebackers. Well, it is Alabama. That kid also runs four five five. So it's not everybody can do that. You're missing out three important words: deer antler spray. Deer antler spray. <laughs> deer antler spray. That's why they all look the that. same. <laughs> uh, 
by the way, uh, let, let's just say that the, the official stance of GoVoss 24-7 is that we're not making any accusations. However, however, others have made accusations. I'm making an accusation. Patrick Brown is making an accusation. I don't. It may not be Deer Antler Spray, but they're doing something down there. There's something in the water down there yeah. to where you watch that team warm up in person, and you're like, all these guys look like they're 35. Yeah. They all look like they've been playing. They should be like 10-year NFL veterans. They come out of the tunnel, you go, oh, my God. <laughs> that guy, <laughs> and you're like, that guy's a sophomore in, high, in college. At, every time at Tennessee plays old. Alabama, I always wish Derek Dilley was with me and like next to me just 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 to hear his remarks looking at them like oh my god oh yeah. my god these kids the invasion is coming even oh their walk-ons were, were gigantic I, I i spent more side time on their side of the field you know because we had heard jeremy pruitt may be a guy so i watched him work with the linebackers in pregame in tuscaloosa this year and um and just they're just giant kids you know you see tennessee take the field and you see you know, bless his heart. You, you see Brandon Johnson, some of these guys trick on the field, and you're like, somebody's getting hurt today. Yeah. Like, it's it's about to get really bad. Yeah. Go go give, him, go give him your best, kid. Let's yeah. see what you got. <laughs> I don't want to. Old college try, fellas. <laughs> he looks big. Go get. Go see what you can do. Yeah, but, but I mean, I, I still think they're going to take some guys in this class that maybe they wouldn't take in a couple of years down the road if they've got this thing going where they want it to go. But I also don't think that they're going to be in that position where they're going to be taking a bunch of slaw. I think they're going to get some guys who who are going to be some pretty good players. Uh, and I've, I've also heard this a couple times, that, that Pruitt, and you hear this all the time. I mean, you hear this all the time. But I've heard it's genuine with Pruitt that he does not care. He looks at film and he does not care where a kid is ranked. It makes no difference to him. He looks at where he thinks that they fit so i I, you know i i think that that's that's fair and he might be able to go find some guys you know maybe there were some guys that that alabama would would have taken but they didn't have the numbers you know or or maybe saban was like ah i wish that guy was about two inches taller and i'd I'd take him now it's like well i'll take him you know, or, or maybe there was a guy who Bama says, "Ah, we'd love to offer him, but he'd only be ready, and he'd need two years to get ready. And this kid's only going to need one year, so uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that." Well, okay, well, Pruitt's like, "Well, I'll, I'll take that chance right now." So, and there might be guys that he really liked as a player, but he couldn't convince Saban mm-hmm. to to take him. And we, maybe we he saw goes, that "Yeah, immediately, yeah, yeah." That's and one thing that we're seeing. If you want to get a little idea already, you know, we're just a week out basically from his introductory press conference about his ability. He's been able to go into regions that Tennessee doesn't hammer very often to kids committed to big time prospect to big time programs, excuse me, and convince them already to take an official visit to Tennessee. Elijah Griffin, yeah, four star defensive back. You know, he's committed to, to UCLA out of Mission Viejo, California. He's coming this weekend, says he was. I already talked about Jacob Copeland. Didn't really have Tennessee on his radar. One time Florida commit. Uh, let's see, Dominic Wood Anderson, arguably the best junior college tied in the country. Does, have a, have, Tennessee on his does have a hyphenated name, though. Does have a hyphenated name. Uh, hosted Nick Saban this week, Tosh Lapoy. So he's being recruited by the best of the best. He's planning on coming this weekend. Uh, Coinus Miller, a defensive tackle, defensive end, it's hard to say which position he would be in a 3-4, but he's been a pretty firm Auburn commit since mid-October. He's talking about coming this weekend. He, he said he was, but it, you know, to they're not just like, hey, let me just fill up the, the commitment class and on top of that. But the point being, these are kids that are firmly committed elsewhere, or so it would seem, 
and he's convinced them already within a week that, hey, come here to Tennessee. You have an offer now. Come see what we're about. And it's Again, this is within a week. These are kids that were not getting recruited by the, by the previous coaching staff. Isaac Taylor Stewart, another great example. I don't know why he didn't have a Tennessee offer. You got to at least try with the a kid hyphenated like that. hyphenated name, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. But if if they get that kid on campus, that means – it kind of reminds me of the Dory Jackson recruitment a little bit. Is it is it a bit of a long shot? Do you have to beat, you know, USC and people like that to get a California kid? Sure. But if you get him to campus, I think that shows what they're at least capable of doing. Yeah, and – um. You know, I'm sure there were a lot of guys that Pruitt got here and were like, how does this guy not have an offer? Like, what was this, what were these other guys doing? Like, who were they offering? Um, and My God, guys, my God, what are you doing? And, yeah, and so, and, and you know, you, you made a good point about Adoree Jackson. I think Carl Lawson was another guy that Tennessee made a late run at when, when Butch Jones first got here. And uh, something that Pruitt said last week was, don't worry about who we don't get, worry about who we do get. Uh, and so if, if they're able to get, just a couple of these guys, a couple of these four-star guys, maybe some junior college guys that, that aren't Dontavious Blair 2.0. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they yeah, I think most fans will be, be happy with that. There's not as many holes on this roster as there were when uh, when Butch Jones took over. Now, That's there are, definitely are holes. That's true. But, you I know, mean – I've but heard th- people debate that, and I don't I don't get their argument. This is a way better roster than what they inherited in 2013. It's hard to – you know, it's hard to argue that because the on-field product was just so dreadful this year. I mean, they were so bad, 0-8 in the SEC – I think five of those losses were about 18 or more points. I mean, it was just brutal to watch. Um, now, there's the argument that, that someone who, you know. But at the same time. Someone who don't know better than the one who can't. But at the same time, they could have gone, you know, with better coaching, they would have been 7-2 and two going into the final three games of the year and not, what were they, 3-5? and Because they lost yeah. three games that they easily should have won. So, I mean, you, you weren't that far off until, you know, the writing on the wall became clear and you lost all your offensive linemen, you were down to a third-string quarterback, and all these things happened. Your linebacker. Uh, and so, Your you American know, kicker turner, and, top receiver. And, and what's something you brought up about, you know, Pruitt trusting his evaluations, I think a good example of that is Eddie Jackson at Alabama. Uh, I don't think – I think Alabama might have been his first big-time offer. I don't think he was that big of a big-time recruit. No, he, he had a Tennessee offer before Alabama. Okay. <laughs> but he, Sorry. but he wasn't, he wasn't, but he, he wasn't a big time guy though, was he? Uh, they thought he was going to be a guy that ne- is now scouting in the NFL that was with Tennessee that that uh, Butch let go, uh, pinpointed him from South Florida and liked him a lot. But, but was he, he like, was he like a top one hundred four star guy, or was he? Uh, just your... No, he was not. He he came on the scene late. I think okay. Tennessee was one of his first big time offers, but Alabama scooped in late and got him. And, and I think I think Alabama may have taken him over over Jalen Ramsey, who was five star all everything. So yeah. and Eddie Jackson turned out to be pretty good. Uh, so and then, Gra- and then maybe and second, so did Jalen Ramsey too, for that matter. But the, the second Pruitt got to Florida State, he was like, ah, ah, "Ramsey, Ramsey, I want Ramsey." So yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's the thing. All these you know, these coaches are going to trust what they do. Uh, but again, if they're able to get, if they're able to swing like Copeland, I think Copeland would be a guy a lot of people would be excited about. If they're able to get Carvin and Banks out of Cordova. Uh, Cordova wasn't very good at high, in, in football when I was in high school, but they apparently they were have, good this year. And they've got apparently a really good basketball recruit too. I think in Tyler Harris. Um, so if, if they're able to get some some guys like that, I think most people will will take that and call it a day in terms of this class and be like, let's go see what they can do with the full year. I mean, they don't even have the full staff in yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and before we before we get out of here, I guess we should probably we should probably mention Austin Thomas, shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> We've gone this whole podcast yeah, since I mentioned and, him. Yeah, we, we were gonna. We kind of got. We kind of got it. You know, kind of. 
we went in the inverse order there. I thought we were going to do the staff first, but then I started talking. And I started talking about you know recruits instead because naturally I'm just such a recruiting guy that it was the first thing. Well, I mean in my that, mind. that's pretty much all this coaching staff has done since yeah, they got here. It's I mean, true. I, think I Pruitt literally left his press conference and went right and started offering to guys. Hey, I got to go work. And Fulmer's <laughs> like, like he wasn't kidding. He just went to go work. <laughs> so yeah, I but, think he, he probably offered somebody like on the golf cart ride back to the complex from from Neyland. And, and and for those of you who have wondered, we've mentioned his name so much the past few years. And so have a lot of people on our board. We true. got asked about him like almost daily the last few weeks. That's true. Austin Thomas, who had been LSU's general manager, there were only two, quote, general manager, and quote, I think guys. he was the only one because Arizona's got hired by Michigan. I was doing some research. Well, on there that. you go. So The he, only one. Patrick Brown, ladies and gentlemen. I thought there were two, but apparently there were. It's, LSU, like, it's LSU's, like Highlander. There can be only one. LSU's, LSU's bio was outdated. Well, they had – he's a guy who, if, if you're wondering what he does – We've linked it several times throughout the week. There was a really good article by uh, our own colleague, Barton Simmons, talking about sort of what Austin Thomas does at LSU and and how many things that happen inside that football program that he is 100% in charge of, just like he would be if he were an NFL general manager. But it's just at the college level. And he's a guy who's still in his early 30s, either 31 or 32. And he has been sort of he got his start as a recruiting intern for Philip Fulmer in 2008 at Tennessee and has kind of been fast-tracked since then and has carved himself a role as one of the the best young minds in in football and a guy who a lot of people think will be an NFL general manager one day so you know those people who wanted that VFL back home well you got what you wanted Tennessee has made that happen kudos to to Pruitt and kudos to Fulmer for giving him the purse strings to go make that happen and this is another Big time higher. I mean, we kept hearing five million plus maybe for this coaching staff at Tennessee, and and it, it looks like it might get to that point. And, and uh, most Tennessee fans that that are on our side and are really invested know who Austin Thomas is, and so I, I think this is as big of a staff hire as as he's as Pruitt's going to make. I agree. I think he's that influential, and and people ask, you know, what does he do? What it's more like what didn't he do at LSU? I mean, he was involved. He had his hand in everything, just about. Uh, in terms of that program, he's sort of I I would describe it. He's going to do what Bob Welton did, like times ten. Yeah, because he'll because it'll also be he'll do that plus more yeah. personnel decisions. He'll be involved. Um, you know, he he was part of I think LSU had I think their recruiting classes when he, after he got there were like fifth, second, and fifth nationally. I know it's LSU; it's easy to recruit there and all that. But you know, this last class they went and got Jacob Phillips out of Nashville. And uh, Jacoby Stevens mm-hmm. uh, out of Murphy's, bro, right? Yeah. Uh, now, Stevens, I think, is already leaving. But, uh, you know, got into Tennessee, and, and those are those are two guys that, that Tennessee missed out on in addition to T. Higgins and Amari Rogers in that last class. So, um, Thomas is from Nashville. He, as you mentioned, he went to Tennessee. Which so, means Patrick loves him because he went. He's from Nashville. So he's going to have – He's from Franklin. Franklin, yes. Uh, as a mid-state yeah, guy. Nashville. They'll get upset about that. No, I'm, I'm from, he, I'm from the town to, of Franklin. He went to Battleground Academy, and he went to went Lipscomb to, University. Yes, in Nashville. Yes, but he, he he's a grad student in VFL though. Yeah, but I mean, but the thing is though is that you you would expect him to be a, a big time influence on on your mid state recruiting, and he's going to be heavily involved. And I think he probably will oversee the whole recruiting operations. Uh, he'll, he's going to work alongside the coaching staff, I think, in just about every aspect of the program. Here's now. what I really like, too. The, the guy, he's not going to be coaching guys. Yeah, the, the guy who they brought in also from Troy is a guy who had Todd been, Watson. Yeah, who had been a really good 
a high school coach in Alabama for for more than a decade, and he was a head coach at Foley High School, which is kind of a power down there in the southern part. Who of all the state. they? Who all do they crank out down there? Uh, you may have heard of uh, Julio Jones and DJ Fluker. You may have heard of DJ Fluker, uh, Robert Lester. You may have heard of Robert Lester. Yeah, he coached all those guys in high school, and, and before that, he was the defensive coordinator at Hoover for several years. Before Pruitt was, and he's a guy who, I mean, between him and Pruitt. Every, they know every single high school coach, I think, in the state of Alabama. And I'm saying, listen, you're probably – if it's a kid from Alabama and he's going to pick between Alabama and Tennessee, he's probably going to go to Alabama. Let's be honest about that. But those guys know everybody down there, and they're going to help Tennessee a lot in recruiting. And when you get a guy like Watson and you get a guy – him working for a guy like Austin Thomas, you're putting together a staff. You, 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 when when Saban got to Alabama and when Cal Perry got to Kentucky – both of those guys said it takes a village, and they started. We we laugh at the size of their staffs, right? Because they'll have like you know an assistant coordinator for washing of you know tennis shoes. You know they'll they'll do all of that. They have all they have a, someone in charge of everything. It's a huge moving bureaucracy, but that works. You get a big time program. You fill it with big time people, and all of a sudden you're you're becoming a place where you don't have any stones unturned, where there aren't any details that you miss, where you do have quality control at every level, and you get one of these big, huge staffs, and it helps you. And I think this is going to be something that, I think this was a big part of Pruitt's interview with Fulmer, and I think Fulmer understood it. He knows where this thing is going. And, and I think that that's the thing that, that I think should really excite Tennessee fans, is that Tennessee's going to, put together a big boy apparatus, finally. And I think that's really good news for the program. Let me interject one thing with that relationship with high school coaches, especially going to the state of Alabama. According to what I, what we have on the list right now, Alabama, any, any guesses how many players are committed to Alabama from the state of Alabama right now? Eight. Six. You're both wrong. Two. So, so Alabama's class has two Alabama kids. Two Alabama kids. You recruit nationally. You're, you're recruiting better than anybody in the country. You're not going to bring in that many in-state kids, really. I mean, when you have a choice between the five-star kid from San Diego and the three-star from Tuscaloosa, you're probably going to take the five-star. Fort Payne. You just start. Oh, but if you go down there and you start <laughs> taking a bunch of kids that Auburn would have wanted and you can find a way to, to use your relationships and get in there and do that, you're still going to get some really good players. My, my point was is that is a Jeremy Pruitt and these other guys that are on the staff that 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 hail from Alabama, Kevin Cheer being another. You're going to know these coaches. So when you have a conversation, it's like, hey, you know, how how's you know John Doe doing this year? What's he looking like? Oh, dude, he's a big time player. He's an SEC guy. You need to get on him. Okay, can we get him? It's like, well, Coach Saban seems to like him a lot. You're going to know very quickly whether or not that guy is probably going to be an Alabama kid especially if he's some kind of legacy or a diehard, whatever, yeah. a, a Jack Jones, a Ryan Johnson type, you're not going to flip that type of kid. But these high school coaches are going to tell you that. And if he's not an Alabama guy, that's a state where Tennessee can hit that really hard. So you're going to see, you know, you've already seen, <laughs> I think Jeremy Pruitt's already, you know, implemented that already. Probably close to a double-digit number of kids from Alabama have gotten scholarship offers from Tennessee in the first seven days uh, he's been on campus. So really your competition is more Auburn in Georgia and LSU and some of these other schools rather than Alabama because of these high school coaches will let you know, yes, you have a shot to come get this kid. One of, one of the things that um, has stood out to me about some of these guys that, that Tennessee is going to add to their staff is that they seem to be showing a lot of faith 
and or confidence, sort of both in, in what in Pruitt. Yep. We, you know, the, the the whole thing with Shiano that his his apparent cronies in the national media don't seem to answer is well, who else was trying to hire him? You got a lot of guys on the staff. Now, not all of them, but there were a lot of guys on the staff that were in good situations. Yep. I mean, you look at a guy like Kevin Shearer, who there was some talk that Saban wanted him to be his defensive coordinator and still may want him to be his defensive coordinator. Um, you look at a guy like Tyson Heldon, the offensive coordinator. He was on his brother's staff at, Clay, uh, at USC with Clay Heldon. That's a pretty good spot for him. Will Friend was an offensive coordinator. Will Friend was an offensive coordinator. He didn't play calling duties, but he was the highest paid coordinator outside of the Power Five conferences this year. And now he's coming to Tennessee just to be a position coach. Now he may have a coordinator title, run game coordinator, but he's not going to be calling plays. Um, you, know, you balance that with some of these other guys. You know, Gillespie could have gone anywhere, probably. Yep. No brainer decision there to keep him. And then you have, you know, you have some other guys. Tracy Rocker wasn't in coaching this year after Kirby Smart kicked him to the curb. I, I, you know, I think Terry Fair was probably about to get released at Colorado State. I think Mike Bobo was about to change his uh, his defensive staff. You know, but going back to Friend, Friend and Bobo, you know, they coached together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Friend was Bobo's first hire at Colorado State. Now I know Friend and Pruitt were high school teammates, and then. All this, you know, all these things, and you go to Tom, and you get to Austin Thomas, who's in a good, jo- you know, probably got all the job security in the world at LSU, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they wanted him, yes, and and they they can't they countered what Tennessee offered Thomas, and went above it from what uh, from what we we were told. I and didn't he, he, I didn't know for sure that they that they went above it, but I know they would match it dollar for dollar without flinching. And so they they wanted to keep him, and that's why you know I think. There were some people saying on our board that, oh, he was going to be Tuesday. Well, we, kept, we kept hinting at it over the weekend that it was probably going to happen. Well, LSU still didn't want to lose him. That was, that was the, that was the that unknown. Was the, that was the rub there. Yeah. That was the unknown was that LSU was going to try to keep him. And so uh, I think it says, you know, one, Thomas' desire to get back to his home state. Two, he, he obviously has some sort of desire to love, to, you know, some sort of desire to be at Tennessee. Home. A program like that is home to him, and of course he has to have some faith in Pruitt too. I don't think that they've ever worked together. Now they've crossed paths, mm-hmm. obviously on the recruiting trail, and probably battled for some of the same kids. But you know that that, that I think that that speaks volumes to me about what some of these people believe about what Jeremy Pruitt's potential is at Tennessee. Yeah, I don't think, as far as I know, none of these guys will be taking a pay cut or anything like that. I'm sure that's part of it, but. The fact is, and I wrote that's why I wrote this column earlier this week. I think that when you look at the staff he's been able to put together so far, you're looking at a bunch of guys who left good situations to be with him, even though he's never been a head coach. That tells you, I think, what kind of upside, what kind of potential people see in this guy. Now, of course, everybody looks the shiniest before they've been dinged up, right? You know, you buy that car, it looks great until you take it out in the car. You know, you take you take it out there for the spin. Someone bumps into it in a parking lot. You know, things happen. But so so right now this may be the best his reputation ever gets. But the fact is, coaches these guys aren't dummies. They're they're not going to go somewhere to work for a guy who they think is going to be fired in, in a year or two. They're not they're not going to do that. They don't want that on their resume. They don't want that. You know the, the, that's just not that's not a smart thing to do. And you see Butch Jones when he got to Tennessee saying he was going to build the best staff in college football. You look at what Pruitt's already been able to hire, and it's it's not even close. It's not even close. Pruitt's staff is going to lap the field with that one in terms of reputation and resume by the time, you know, that full staff is put it's, together. Especially if they're able to add a guy like Brian McClendon, who's a would be a home run. Home run recruiter as as a wide receiver's coach. We'll have to see what happens with him in the South Carolina offensive coordinator position. He's calling 
plays for the Gamecocks in their – I think they're playing the Outback Bowl against Michigan. Mm-hmm. But it shows these people really – they want to work for Pruitt. They, and yeah. He's never been a head coach before, and they have no problem signing up and saying, yeah, I want to go work for that guy. So, to me, that shows you a lot of what you need to and, know about his reputation. And that may have been a, a, a sort of unknown benefit of, of going the coordinator out. A lot of times you hire a head coach, he's going to take at least some, probably at least half of his staff from where he was. We saw that with Butch Jones. Scott Frost took his entire coaching staff to Central uh, to Nebraska from UCF. And so, you know, when you're a coordinator, especially a coordinator at Alabama, you're not going to take anybody that Nick Saban wants off that staff, first of all. Correct. Because <laughs> he'll kill you, yes. <laughs> probably. He might murder you before you get uh, out of the room. And, and we, as we know, the, the, one, the one rule in college football is dilly that dilly. Nick, Nick dilly Saban dilly. gets what he wants. So if he was going to hire, if he was going to bring Tosh Lupoy on, it would have to go through or Saban Scott first. Scott Cochran, like most people seem to think, Jeremy was going to bring with him. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's the other. That's the other big hire is the strength coach hire, and a lot of people, hey, is he going to bring Cochran with him? And uh, apparently, Kirby Smart and Cochran are like really good friends, and Kirby tried to bring Cochran to Georgia, and we saw that he's still at Alabama. So yeah, that's probably Phil, not Phil twice, happened. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so um, you know, but I see you guys got me off my point now. I didn't say anything. What was I talking about? I don't even know what I was talking about. Football. Talking about football. Y'all, y'all football? People wanting to coach, come to coordinators. Play for, for, to work with Pruitt, basically. That was my previous point. Well, then how do we know where you were going to segue? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I was going. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to get off your chest before this podcast ended? <laughs> Let me tack on to, to, <laughs> to Patrick's point is that. Let me some, talk over Patrick again. Some of these guys that. <laughs> That, that are joining this staff, I think from a real-life perspective, you know, I don't think these guys grew up wanting to coach at Tennessee, some of them, you know, not, not a situation oh, I remember like my, that. I remember my point now. Go ahead, Danny. But it's a situation don't where – Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. You know, you're not at a place where you might could be a one-and-done. Jeremy Pruitt is brand new. The AD is brand new. So you got to think, you know, I can put my family somewhere. We can make a lot of money. We can coach in the SEC. We could do special things somewhere, and we'll be somewhere at least three years. It's not a situation where, you know, a coach is on a hot seat. We may be one and done. Maybe they're in nine months, and all of a sudden, boom, we owe mortgage on a third house in the last five years. We're trying to sell things. So from a, a sheer family, real-life standpoint, Tennessee's that much more attractive with a brand-new coach and brand-new AD. Yeah, they're attractive because they were willing to throw $27 million at Greg Schiano, and we're willing to pay uh, – the reported numbers on Gundy were seven million a year, I think. Mm-hmm. So seven, seven. I remember my point. My point was that when you hire a head coach, normally he's going to bring some of his coaching staff with him, whether or not they fit where they're supposed to go or not. And if you hire a coordinator like Pruitt, and he's got guys that he can just tap into, really all across the country. When you look at it, you you go out to the West Coast with Helton. Helton worked with uh, Will Friend at I think it was UAB. Sounds right. I think one. Of, I think it was Helton cross paths with Chris Rump back in Memphis back in the D'Angelo Williams days. Uh, when when Memphis had a good little run there, and so you're, he's able to tap into what he guys he's known. He's crossed paths with Shear and Rocker at, at Georgia uh, when he was there for a couple of years. So he's able to tap into all that as opposed to just, hey, I'm bringing some of my guys with me. Like you know, and, and some of Butch's assistants from Cincinnati did okay. You know, Mark Elder and Mike Pajakian were I think pretty good assistants. Elder is now a head coach, and Pajakian's a quarterback coach in the NFL. Yep. Uh, so there, there were some good coaches there, but there were some other guys Azani. there that just didn't quite fit, huh? Azani, also in the NFL. No. Azani, yeah, he, he, he got a bad rap, I think. I think his, he did a pretty good job last year, I thought. Mm-hmm. He did. Um, but, you know, you put that staff up, as you mentioned, Wes, against this staff that Pruitt's putting together, and they still got to finish it off. And, you know, the strength coach hire is a huge hire. They've got to get that one right. 
course, that'll be the fourth strength coach, right, in the last four years for this team. Yeah. That's never what you want to I, – I, uh, we should do, like, a we should do a gallery on, like, Tennessee's last – 10 strength coaches over the last just their strength coaches over the last do decade that, do that thing like at the oscars where they play start them, with johnny long where they and pl- just go the oscars where they play the music and like uh, for all the people who died in the past year <laughs> and like you're just playing the music as like it, uh who was that guy what was it uh you know. was his name black iron who was that guy's name oh yeah the guy from texas oh yeah I will remember. uh benny benny something benny yeah benny he, he, he was, was a guy benny. That, he would wear sweats he would like wear like a full sweatsuit hoodie and everything to like August camp practices. Yeah, he looked. He looked, like, he, looked like action, of, he looked like an action movie star. And it would be one shade of gray. Was it Benny Wiley? Yeah, that is exactly what. Okay, that's right. And then there was one guy that was there for like not even a full year. We had the, we had the illustrious Mike Surgeon era. Be like, yeah, Benny Wiley stars in Con Air or something. It'd be like <laughs> so, he'd be like an action movie. Yeah, and guy. so he he would he would start and practice with these sweatsuits on. Die and, Hard with Benny then Wiley. By the end of it, the whole thing would be like <laughs> it just looked like he jumped in a swimming pool. Yeah, that's and so yeah, but you know they, they've got to get this high right. The tenth assistant. They see this is the, the worst time for Tennessee to be doing all this because they have an earlier signing period where you're trying to squeeze normally what would be a month of recruiting into like a week and a half. Because I mean, a lot of kids are going to be signing in December. Yeah, those guys were putting in long, so, long, long work days recently. I've I've heard that from a few people that they've been there have been a lot of Red Bull Red Bull mornings. And then you've got this tenth assistant that goes into effect in January. And so, really, there's three open spots on the full-time staff, including the strength – or not including the strength coach. So, there's still some some legwork to be done. But if they're able to get a couple of, of big-name guys, and let's be honest, most most people don't – you know, they probably can't name five strength coaches. Correct. But if they're able to get somebody that's got a good track record that's going to come in and put some more discipline into, into, that, into that program, then, yeah, I think you'd have to consider the staff a home run. But we'll see where, where they go with this. Danny? Your thoughts on you're 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 a big guy. What do you what do you, what are your thoughts on? Uh, do you want to be the strength coach? It's going to be a guy that stresses size and strength more than we've seen in years. I think I think Tennessee football fans are about to see a larger creature on the field in orange on fall Saturdays. A large deer antler spray influenced creature. They might even be as big as roast beef Parker himself. They got a long way to go. Some of these kids. <laughs> possible a lot of rv sauce <laughs> guys thanks for tuning in we'll be back again with a couple of pods next week if you missed the one that we did on hoops with the big game against north carolina coming up uh, on sunday we released that podcast on thursday morning this one that you're listening to now is coming out on friday morning we'll have a couple more next week so we're not going to wish you a merry christmas just yet but happy hanukkah to those who celebrate hanukkah the festival of lights Aha. that's it that's perfect. I think that might be the perfect way to end it. Danny, final thoughts? Nope. All right.